everyone, you are tuned in for another episode of Getting to the Root of It with Venus Roots, aka me, your host. And today I'm joined by a brilliant writer, poet, thinker, multidisciplinary artist, Fariha Roshin, and someone who I think above all that is also a dear comrade and friend and someone who I deeply admire and respect and look up to. And... Oh, there's so much to say. There's also so much to say about this new offering that Fariha has gifted to the world of who is wellness for. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me again on the show, babe. I'm so it's it's double double listing on the the Venus, Venus Roots show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really yes. happy to be back. Yes. So. I want to start off with just like a note of, I guess, like gratitude and acknowledgement. Um, I feel like you took a lot of risks with this offering and not to like be dramatic, but just like sincerely, I feel like it's a fucking like seminal text of our generation. Wow. Everyone, virtually everyone I care about has already received an invitation from me to read this book. Um... I think you just you just have us confront so many truths um, and I know you're really busy following the book launch and it's a Capricorn full moon that I know we're all feeling so I want to take a pause and just ask you you know how are you feeling how is your body how is your spirit like how are you firstly I'm so honored uh, you know I think that I was saying this a little before we started recording but getting your response to the book was one of my like it was truly moving to be like okay Mm. you get it you know and I think that's what I've been really hungry for like conversations that are um honest you know and Mm. uh that are true I'm bored of the world I'm bored of the of in in a not nihilistic sense, but like bored of people. I'm bored of sort of the ways in which intellectually we navigate one another, and the ways in which like the conversation never expands beyond like what we've all accepted as, as status quo, and that happens in so many different ways. And uh, yeah, it's just a really great honor because you are a comrade and a friend and um, someone that I also admire, and I'm grateful for the chance to get to actually talk to you. Um, I'm okay. I'm not doing great, as I also mentioned. Um, I, I don't think I've cried as much as I have today than I did today uh, during mm-hmm. therapy, and that's why I was late, um, because I just finished therapy. I love it, babe. Who is wellness for? <laughs> Who is wellness for? <laughs> me, it turns out. It's for me mm-hmm. and for you and for all of us. It's for all of us. Uh, but I definitely need wellness, but I... I, uh, I've been struggling with, <laughs> um, I'm a child sexual abuse survivor. My mother is my abuser. I'm an incest survivor. I don't have a family. I moved from Australia when I was young. I am now 32. I, live, I, I left on my own. Um, I live my fucking life every fucking day. Who is Wellness For is about my life. And it's really difficult to put something out and then to realize that like no one's going to treat you that different no one even if they know the truth they don't everyone's sort of busy um i don't know i think that like i it's it's hard for people to know your life and then to not necessarily really care and Mm. um Maybe this is just like me being like really emo and, um, but yeah, I've lived through a lot and to sort of transmute it and put it into your, into a book form is super vulnerable because like, I mean, duh, like obviously it just is, but then you have to contend with the emotional reaction that you then have Mm -hmm. to something that's like so open. Um, and also, like, yeah, I think, like, ultimately, like, the love that I so crave that I feel like I'm not getting, um, that I, is really hard to, mm-hmm. to interpersonally or to, like, privately have to endure. Wow. 
Um, and like privately just sort of deal with and grapple with like the experiences that I think we all know, like artists are really dark. Like, you know, we are, uh, we choose art, I think not all the time, obviously, but I think artists that I admire find a way, the only communication they know possible is through art. That's the language that they've chosen. And as a writer, like, I've chosen the written form to explain how I am, but it is really confronting to have to face it and to be like, whoa. Um, so I think I'm just in my feels. I'm feeling it all. I'm feeling disappointment and sadness and uh, uh, also realizing that that lives alongside like the pride and, and the joy that I have of mm -hmm. this book. It's really complicated, you know? It's, yeah. That's how I am. How are you? Ooh, I mean, first off, thanks for sharing. Like, I I think before I even share like how I'm doing, I, I wanted to also share with you like, you know, I got the advance of the copy and I felt so humbled and so grateful. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he does it again. Like, I can't wait to, to start this book. And I think maybe it was like chapter two or, you know, maybe like 50 pages in, maybe even less. Like, I was like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, it was a similar feeling that I get when I'm like, oh, fuck, I have therapy in like two hours. Like, mm -hmm. let me try to finesse like canceling or like, mm -hmm. let me or like, oh, shit, I have somatics. Like, I hope I hope they cancel me. <laughs> like, it's that same sort of like anxiety. I mean, mm -hmm. anxiety is not like specific enough, but it's it's when you're confronting some shit that you're like, oh, this requires a sort of a sort of reckoning that I don't want to do right now. So I had to put it down. And then I, I was like, okay, I, I know how I am. I know, you know, I'm, I'm come from a Caribbean household. Like so many of us, we compartmentalize. And when it comes to emotions and noticing and all of that, I'm like, I don't have time right now. The show must go on. That's like for some other time. So I think some of that was coming up for me. And it was, it was strange. I was like, oh, wow, I'm like being really emotionally impacted by this. Wow. And I could only... You know, and then I came back to it um, for my for my birthday trip last month, and I was like, just totally like stuck on the book and like couldn't stop reading it. I was in the back seat, kind of riding around like these super windy mountainous roads in Jamaica by myself, and I'm just like crying in the back seat. Wow. And you know, I'm I'm sharing this to sort of like illuminate like if it's having that impact on me i was thinking like i can only imagine the sort of journey that you sort of tr like had to offer go through endure to also bring this out into the world it's like that i was constantly thinking mm -hmm. about you because i'm like i'm here kind of i mean and it reminds us how interconnected we are right like it's not separate but i'm like here i am being like just bawling like by myself in this back seat in like beautiful Jamaica because it's it's just firing up my brain my heart my body like of so many things you know and there's a part in the book where you're talking about how in therapy and this has been happening to me in the past year and a half like once you start confronting and facing trauma and abuse you start um, you start getting flashbacks like it, it becomes it it alivens it mm -hmm. and it's like you almost have to aliven it before you can compost it or release it or mm -hmm. surrender it mm -hmm. so when i remember when you i remember vividly reading that line while i'm in the back seat and it was like okay i'm not crazy like this is you know i'm like having these vivid dreams and i'm like oh, all these things so yeah. anyways sharing that to say of just like the profound impact i mean i think anyone who's in close relationship with me knows like how intimate this read felt and i've been seeing all of the feedback and it's it's aligned you know folks are just really like completely moved completely shaken like it i feel like i was thinking earlier it seems like it feels as if you've sort of shaken the soil of what we understand the status quo as what we are like okay this is this is the bullshit reality we are accepting but you in that shaking you've sort of aerated the truth right and it's not easy. It's like, obviously, we know this, right? Like, it's not easy to talk about colonialism and violence and trauma and harm and pain. And I think that's that's specifically one of the one of the many parts I I'm referring to when I, I say you took a lot of risks 
because I'm like she didn't know how to do this like and maybe you feel like you know you did but I'm like you know in the grand scheme I was like this is hard this is hard and she chose to do this um yeah oh it's I'm so grateful to hear all of this thank you for sharing it's so it really it, like you're you're giving me an elixir like it's mm. it's that's this is why I write to have these moments you know of connection of true connection and to sort of like yeah to know that like both of our experiences have brought us here you know and like how humbling that reality is and like yeah I'm just I'm really grateful thank you yeah no thank you I'm uh, so how am I I'm you know landlord housing drama I'm leaving Miami a lot sooner than anticipated this has been my only home so wow. you know coming to face with what that means and uncertainty and trying to surrender as a person that's like maybe the the tier before control freak like the one that's whatever is more acceptable and sounds better but I'm like no I'm like very re I depend a lot on reliability and structure and like habit and these things so this is a this is going to be a new chapter for me and I feel like this conversation the book all of it is just like supportive tools of like okay and we can do this like it's totally possible I wanted to share with you that today um, I was doing just like a somatic like centering practice and the prompt was around uh, dignity and you know obviously dignity is something that we know like our revolutionary ancestors elders teachers are like continuously talking about and and reminding us about but then I was like, you know, preparing for this conversation and I was like, you know, this book is a continuous reckoning of what it means to affirm our dignity alongside our collective dignity. And I think you, obviously you do it in such a powerful way. Like there were so many moments in the book where I was reminded like why I'm an abolitionist and why I believe that transformation is possible. Like not just for myself as, oh, me, Nikki, and the person who goes to therapy and like reads and, and does all these like self things but like literally for our communities our networks and ultimately the world so I just wanted to you know share that and like I'm curious for you this word dignity like what does that mean what does it like what does it open up for you oh my god I have chills this is so this is really thank you that's a beautiful question um I think about dignity a lot um I think I'm in the pursuit of dignity all the time. And it's something that societally we lack. And I don't know why. And I think it has a lot to do with colonization because, you know, when that, that immense a transgression happens on a societal level, so many people have to energetically accept that violation. Mm -hmm all of the you know it's sort of like germany when they talk about hitler all of the people had to agree so many people had to agree yes we are going to enslave people and we are going to go into their lands and take every resource that they have and literally rob them and we're allowed to do that people had to actually accept that collectively so that kind of spiritual trans transgression that that sort of like I think like dishumanity that exists in that and that lack of humanity like how lacking in humanity are white people it's sad it's pretty profound to be like you hate yourself that much you went into lands that were civilizations on their own more profound than you and yet you you decided she robbed them and we allowed there's like a beautiful kind of like symmetry of like we allowed that collectively as well and that is also I think a damage we haven't encountered or really like forgiven ourselves for energetically either mm -hmm. like we it's not fair it's not right it's not moral but there was a participation that our ancestors took and and some could say it was forced of course like it's not like we like willingly like but you know the land that we are settlers on this is a reality of of the the indigeneity here it's like the acceptance of the genocide of the brutality 
and and the sad because it was like out of a disbelief that people could be this inhumane that's why it wasn't like naivety it was like Mm -hmm. you couldn't be barbaric they absolutely not like you there's going to be a sacred reciprocity here okay we give you you know like whatever i don't know i can't speak for our ancestors but that sort of gravity of loss on 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 our end and then sort of the gravity of hatred and uh like just dehumanization that had to occur for settlers to to call for colonizers to to demand so much of us i mean that is really 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 big and i think about that a lot i kind of lost my train of thought no i'm like i'm I'm like what please repeat your question because i I want to bring this back i mean i mean no this this idea of like dignity right and it's like what we're fighting for so so acutely what we're craving for and i think dignity and love are so connected right like how do you separate those two so i think just hearing you like yeah just hearing you is like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that that and then that comes back to dignity because on a societal level there is no dignity there is no dignity from a colonizer's perspective we're so we've been so dehumanized on every front and i think that's I'm kind of answering my own question of like, I think that's why we don't have dignity societally because of that transgression. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. I was just in Cuba, like in May. And again, anyone who knows me, I cry maybe like once a year and I don't even do it. Even like with my partner who we've been together for nine years, like I just, you know, that's my resp- my trauma response. I don't do it. I'm like, mm-mm. I really don't let myself get there. Wow. And, and you're mercury and cancer. Yeah. Damn. And I was in Cuba with just like, you know, all these amazing like young people from all over North America. And I could not stop crying. Wow. I was it was like a joke. It was like um, I was like the crybaby of the delegation of like 100 like young organizers. And I was just crying nonstop. And I think the more I sat with it was like, I was like, what is it that's coming up for me? Like, what, what is the thing? I'm so clearly so moved. And it was this thing of just like being face to face and reminded every minute of just like how genocidal Mm -hmm. the U S is, how genocidal empire Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. and how much violence and unnecessary suffering (sighs) and misery that happens on the other side of Mm -hmm. that equation Mm -hmm. and I just I feel like my my body was just like acknowledging the weight of it and and I guess that was the way I I was processing it just tears and tears and tears you know and it was it was wild you know and I think this question of dignity and what that means and for me, I'm like, you know, being in a place like Miami that's just 90 miles away from such an important place like Cuba, it was, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, it, it is reciprocal, the dehumanization that yeah. happens. And you talk a lot about this in the book, which I think we still collectively, even progressive folks or folks on the left or, you know, people who might care about these ideas, like, I think we are still stuck on being like, oh, well, white people suck and, like, fuck them and, like, that's that and it's like right well they're they've also been dehumanized in this process it's just the manifestation is different and the manifestation is like you know a continuous longing for domination Mm -hmm. and control Mm -hmm. and and taking over Mm -hmm. right but that comes from such a lack right that's exactly and it's the same exactly and it's like when we talk about like men and patriarchy Mm -hmm. and and the Mm violence it's it's so it's also connected Mm -hmm. And you, you weave this in, like, I think what's so unique, I mean, there's a million and one things that are unique about the book, and but you, I think you're you're forcing people to kind of, like, be like, it's not just one-sided. It's not just one-sided. And, like, we are just so interconnected as a web that, like, there, it might feel good to kind of, like, say, we're the oppressed people, like, we good, and that's that. And it's like, no, we know that the harm that happens in our communities is a result of these things. And to your point, there is, like, a manufactured consent that we're all kind of, like, 
that we're kind of all abiding by and i um you know i mean there's so many ways to interpret this but yeah i wanted to share that like it was interesting because i don't think obviously dignity was coming up for me but not until i was like centering and i was like oh like that's what fuddy has reminding us of like it's not just it's of course it's about healing but it's like this is a fight for dignity Mm. for just like our humanity and the most basic you know sometimes it sounds so basic and i'm like no this is this is really profound and grand like what you're offering but yeah i wanted i wanted to offer that to you and and to share it firstly american society has no dignity either and that's i think so when you live in a a society that's kind of lawless like it feels like you know, like the government makes up all these decisions and then everybody abides by these like sort of like unlawful restrictions. And it's becoming more and more apparent every day how much this empire gives zero fucks towards anybody that is not white or wealthy. And usually that's the, the demographic is both. So that's what the law is catered towards, and that is what this entire country is catered towards. And so it makes sense that folks uh, who don't have much don't feel as if they, they are responsible to a nation. Like, I understand that conflict. Like, you know, like, we, we don't, like, when, you, when you're here out of your own will, like, how much responsibility do you have? And yet the reality is, is that we do have a responsibility. And I think that that's the sort of like hard part about wellness. It's like you have a responsibility to yourself, to yourself, not to anybody else. You are, you are worth something. And because we've been dehumanized at such a huge level, at such an existential somatic level, like how can it be both? It's both existential and somatic, physical mm-hmm. and ethereal. You know, we've been dehumanized in all of these ways, spiritually. Um, so, like, I don't think that we understand how disassociated we are from ourselves and from our mm-hmm. agency and from our, uh, yeah, our responsibility to ourselves and thus each other. And so um, it's, a, it's something that I want to remind us because, like, care, that care that we've been robbed of because this world doesn't care about us. So why should we care about others? I think instilling and reminding us of this sort of immense spiritual work and and uh, life that you are given when you start to care about yourself and when you start to care about the people around you and you feel as if you are an important part of the community that you are in. And I think if more of us felt like that, the world would change, like actually. And so that to me is what I'm trying to bring people back. I wanna understand and hear people, you know, and 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 and, and like really like see them eye to eye with the pain, but the eventually you have to move through it and eventually it has to mutate and eventually you have to transmute because you can't hold on to the pain forever the pain is valid no matter if you feel it or not and you can validate it by acknowledging it to yourself but then eventually you have to move through it and i think um with my life like i would have died a very long time ago if i hadn't found that tool you know and just and realize that like i can hold on to this i can hold on to my pain my mother's pain the pain of genocide the pain of of literally like i say this in the book beholding and being the container of all of the sexual violence that's occurred in my family i'm carrying it and multiple healers have told me that i have immense chronic pain and so I think a lot of us do. You know, a lot of us are having to carry our ancestors and the and the baggage, the energetic baggage that they didn't work through or they couldn't have worked through because they were in the most hostile, unlovable situation. So we also have to comp- have compassion for them and what they couldn't do. But now, again, it's our responsibility. And there's such a beauty and joy to that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to being responsible 
Um, I know it's such a Capricorn thing to say, but I'm like, yeah, it's hella tight, you know, to feel responsible. <laughs> like, it's like really amazing to feel that for people, you know, to, to feel like I have a, a responsibility. Fuck yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, but we want, we don't care for ourselves. We can't even care for ourselves. We don't have anything. So we're like, why would I care about somebody else, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then again, so you go back to that core and you go back to, to the, the, the wounds that really are there that you have to face so you can be better for yourself and for others and for this earth, most importantly. Mm. There's so much there. There's so much there. Um, a few things I want to tease out is like, you know, I work with high schoolers and have been for many years and we talk a lot about support, care, what that looks like, what it means, practically, abstractly, existentially. And it always, I think in some ways it breaks my heart, but it also is like sobering when I'm working with 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds that already at that young age recognize that they do not what they do not know what care looks like. They do not recognize support. That even when prompted with the question, what support do you need? It doesn't it doesn't register. It's like I don't understand what you are asking me. And that's why I think this is so I mean there's so much there. You know, I think it makes me think of like what that does to us spiritually, right? Mm. And that's why like the the whitewashing and the co-opting is like if if it's it's violent mm -hmm. and then it also just on its face it's so um it's like pathetic and silly maybe at best, right? I'm like this is so far from what is actually happening to most people on this earth, you know, and I'm just talking about a super micro scale, right? If we look at the global south and how folks are you know, resisting even harsher conditions in some mm -hmm. ways. Like, we can go on and on. I think something that you do that's so profound in this book, too, and that really moved me is in your chapter of um, divination. And, you know, you kind of, you, you weave this in throughout the book, spirituality, faith, ritual, practice, and how tied that is to our healing self and collective. And I had, a, I had a, a conversation around this in some ways with um, Nick Estes of the Red Nation, indigenous scholar and organizer. And you mentioned in the book, and I feel really, I was like, oh yeah, this is me. Where it's like, if you are a person that um, cares about these things, that is trying to embody faith, that is prioritizing practices of ritual, that is prioritizing callings of ancestors in distinct realms people will take you less seriously especially if you are a femme person and i know that to be true i'm in a lot of like left movement organizing spaces you know where a lot of folks are just like it's either Marx or that's it you know and <laughs> and i i want to bring in nick Estes' quote from our conversation where he's like you know Marx isn't god and I was no. like, yeah, I don't know, how, you know, how we got there. But I would say for me personally, like actually coming to spirituality, coming to ritual and being more willing and more open to answering the call of ancestors has actually made me a better, a more rigorous and a more disciplined organizer. Because it's like it fuels my imagination. Otherwise, this shit is a bust. Like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are we fighting for? What, literally, what are we fighting for? You know, so I, I'm really grateful that you included that. And I'm curious for you, sort of, if you want to share a little bit on like that noticing. And it's like, a, it's a really arbitrary binary that people have created. It's like either your intellect or you're going to like be into this like woo woo stuff. And it's like, dude, what? Like, what are y'all saying? But that even that is in itself is a construction of whiteness because it's a construction of this rigid sciences that are like the Western sciences and the Western, you know, canon. And therefore that is the intellectual um, correct uh, schooling. And then you've got mm -hmm. like, and Marx definitely falls into that. You know, he's sort of obviously like the most leftist. So you can be in that situation, but he's still a white man. 
And I think that like, I really struggle with this like in, in POC Marxist spaces, Marxist Leninist spaces where it's just like, these are still white men. Like, why are we not gonna talk about the fact that, yeah, sorry, like, yeah, I'm four generations Marxist socialist. I can say this shit. Like, I don't think that like we, you know, we like act, or like something I've been thinking a lot with degrowth, it's like, well, I mean, okay, we're Marxist Leninist, but I, as an, a thinker, want to contend with like what does the future look like that's actually like an amalgamation of all of our needs and that takes in the understanding of racial inequity and Marx never acknowledges that you know never sort of understands the complexities of race and colonization um and how that plays into class anyway it's a whole other thing but like spirituality um for me you know like I have always been a child of God like I've I've, I really feel like I have this like just such a strong connection and I've had that my entire life and you know I I have a lot of psychic ability and like um, you know when my grandfather died when I was 13 I saw him in the backyard before anyone else he was he died in Bangladesh and I knew he must have died because I could see him it was so clear and I would I just like would get visions all my entire life and then when I started to get older I didn't like it and it was scary and so I basically like made a contract and I remember just being like saying to whatever I was like I don't want to see you anymore like I'm done like I'm really not into this and it's because I was really scared. Um, and then my life really sort of, there's a before and after ayahuasca. And I, mm-hmm. I start, the moment I started to sit with grandmother, my entire life changed and my relationship with the underworld. It had already started or like, you know, not just the underworld, but like obviously just like the other worlds and the other terrains just started to get more clear. And um, within that, this like spiritual compass and tethering and uh, like deep devotion that I have to God is what roots me through all of these other realms. Because you can't, or at least I don't want to get lost um, with the darkness. You know, I'm really here to be a source of light and that means that I have to actually be deeply moral on a level that I only God and I know. Like I have like really become a, I feel like I've just like, this like sense of service that I have to God is so deep. And it's what makes me who I am. It's what makes me able to write this book it's what makes me feel happy to be responsible because it's like I get to do this for God everything is for God and I think it's it's in a way it's kind of depressing and I think this is why I was struggling today with therapy because it's lonely it's lonely when it's only for God it should it's not when you remember it and you're like grateful but I think I think I've always felt a deep sense of isolation and God has always been the answer for me um, and the thing that really brings me out of it. So I owe everything to God um, and I really feel that. Um, and I think that's why I need to talk about it. I needed to really, um, you know, I, I've been into astrology since I was 18 and I've heard the gamut of what people will say to me like I've had so many conversations with people um that are who have been very deeply offensive about my spirituality and I had a sister I mean she's still like this but you know someone who just introduced me to like Eric Fromm and Marianne Williamson and and uh and uh like deep spiritualists and just like very weird alt thinkers when I was very young and so 
um, you know, my sort of relationship to auras or Reiki or yoga even, like, I've ha it's been in my my ecosystem for the last 20 years. And even just being South Asian, I've always had like a very diverse relationship to God. There's like Allah and Muslimness, but there was also, I had, my family had a lot of Hindu friends. So I feel like I just was, I had a lot of access to faith. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that in America as much. It's very Christianized. I had a very sort of like open, relationship to God and, and a, an open relationship to faith. I was in a, a lot of sort of like coexist spaces and um, I think the tethering of that from like spirit to land has been like the most deepening political action I've ever like taken like it's just like understanding that, that we are here for a reason for this earth for the betterment of this planet um and that that is something that god is is giving you a reason mm -hmm. is is giving you a message um i don't know it's it's pretty extraordinary and that effuses itself in everything i do so i just have to even if it makes other people uncomfortable, I'm gonna talk about God. I'm always gonna talk about God. I am the, God, God is the reason I'm alive. God is the reason I'm still here. God is the reason I haven't taken my life, my own life. I could have done it so many times, but something just has been with me since I was a child that was just reminding me that I would get through it. And I think that that was me you know, tra traveling in time, but it was also just God and the understanding that everything happens for a reason. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing. I mean, yeah, I'm like feeling it in like my chest, just like, mm. cause there's, there's some pain in that, right? That like, you have to affirm this, yeah. that you have to like fight for, yeah. for, for this knowing. Um, and it also makes me think of just all the spiritual leaders and people who've invested in me and in my own healing and in my own, you know, I think there's been really in my own development and like my own growth because there's been, I think as anyone who's aware, I think even remotely of what's happening in our worlds, you know, and being in a collapsing empire that is causing so much pain to so many people it's really easy to just kind of want to you know just throw in the towel and and i think yeah. you know being an organizer in miami florida and like there's so you know who's a fucking leftist i'm like there's so many times where i think it's like i'm battling that i'm like mm. why give a fuck you know mm. it's like that's that's like that's like the devil in my shoulder like why i care you know you can have more individualistic pursuits and have you know like all of this and I feel, you know, it's kind of like when you're with plant medicine and of all kinds, you know, I think there's like the simple joy and connection of just gardening and getting your hands dirty. And then there's a more profound of just like being with mushrooms and just like bawling under a tree and you feel so like ethereally connected to so many other kin, right? Like that that's such a particular experience. And for me, even as a young person, like when I was when I began like engaging with um, mushroom medicine, you know, I was like, isn't it weird? Like, I remember being like 14 and 15, 15. I was like, isn't it weird that like so many people have these like grand out of body experiences where they feel so connected to nature in a way that they've never experienced mm. in their life? Like, isn't mm. it bizarre that so many of us because I would go on those like um like drug uh inventory things where you'd it, it would show you like the the duration of a of a trip and mm. there was like a forum i don't remember what it was called but and, you know i would talk about like effects and i'm like isn't it bizarre that something that grows off the land can create this particular connection back to the land in such a distinct in such a all-encompassing way like we don't think that that's that that's a message we don't think that that's a route a portal you know like hello so 
you know, I remember reading this chapter and just feeling, I think I was, I felt relieved, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the feeling at the top because I'm like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't have to choose which side of the binary we want to play mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And like, I we just don't. To also just to, I think, reflect back what you're saying, like, there is a reason that they colonized us spiritually as well they wanted us Mm -hmm. disconnected from our own power and so even with mushrooms you know in mexico and and all of the ways in which the kind of very indigenous practice of ingesting mushrooms and and spiritual and sacredness i mean that was completely ruined um and uh and exploited and that's like what whiteness does it just exploits for the sake of um popularity and or or you know like capitalism but it doesn't understand the integral relationship and maybe this goes back to dignity because i think plants have so much dignity you know just like it goes back to just like having that reciprocity with the plant itself to have that respect with the plant itself we've lost that and they don't they you know when they colonized all of our lands separately in different ways but in so many ways it was the same they went for that construction that's sort of like spiritual um infrastructure that we had in order to completely dislocate us and for us to dislocate from each other and for us to dislocate from the land that was a very obvious and specific thing that they were doing and that to me is so painful to realize that that's why we're here that's why we're in such complete confusion about spirituality and we don't have dis- we don't have the connection that we once had i was feeling that when i was in mexico and seeing how like catholicism has completely taken over what was once such a beautiful and i mean obviously i can't speak for i don't know it completely but a complex ecosystem at the very least of very profound ways of being and that has been completely lost and taken over by spiritual epicenters that are dogmatic and are not talking about how to be with each other and how to be with the land it's talking about whether or not you're going to go to hell it's talking about the afterlife or like you know mm-hmm. fear but there's no love there's no there's no I mean you said something beautiful about love and dignity and because there is no love I wonder if there is no that's why there's no dignity and vice versa Ooh, oh my god I mean we're excavating some some deep shit now I'm like whew, like hearing you talk about the attack and destruction and targeting of the spiritual infrastructure also that's just such a beautiful frame you know behind me i have this postcard i got in puerto rico and it's like this um like taino indigenous chief and in the in the in the drawing and there's something there's a quote in it on it that's something along the lines of like you know they have no gods you know they're not like us like they have no gods their god is gold and they will do whatever mm-hmm. for that god mm-hmm. they will mm-hmm. kill they will mm-hmm. pillage they will rape mm-hmm. and i put that it's like literally next to my altar like that's my altar table and i put it on the windowsill that's on on, on top of my altar because i'm like it is a reminder and it's a reckoning of like i think you know people are like why would you have that around your altar like it's so creepy it's like i can't talk about healing i can't talk about ritual without also reckoning the lineage of violence that's behind us and you constantly remind us of that in this book you know like i think a lot of people are going to pick up this book and think it's going to be like a a how to how to be well which is you know it it is that in some ways (laughs) in some ways ways, right but like not in the ways that most people are, are are ready or prepared or accustomed to um so yeah thank you for that because i'm like there's so many like my like the synapses of my brains are just on fire and like my body also feels so alivened by this conversation um because i'm like yeah sometimes i feel silly like waking up and asking for clarity from like you know this sort of 
amorphous realm and just like asking for messages and and what do I do next and this book your words your stories are so affirming of just like no we deserve that that was actually taken from us and robbed Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. from us from for a very particular Mm -hmm. reason Mm -hmm. right same reason why they burn witches right Mm -hmm. same reason why yeah yeah it's like too powerful we're too powerful when we we're too powerful when we're well we're just too fucking powerful that's why they had to disarm us and dehumanize us in order to actually even coexist with us they couldn't imagine what it would be for us to just be in our full power and that says a lot doesn't it we have a fucking responsibility to get back what we lost to be to to go back to that kind of higher thinking and that kind of like depth of being I'm hungry for that and I I Mm. feel a lot of grief that we're not there anymore that so many of us feel like we can't even return because we've lost so much and it's like I want this information I want anybody who can't afford to be well to read this book and to get so many resources and so much information about how you can do this all on your own you can you really really can And, and so much of that healing starts with just fucking loving yourself you know like and forgiving yourself it sounds so Mm. basic but it's so true uh i want to say that your very capricorn framing of we have a responsibility and um that i'm like you know i I was sitting with it and i'm like oh god not this like not us having a responsibility but you know what it actually brought up for me is like we have a responsibility, which thus implies we have agency and we have choice and there's power in agency. Yes. I'm like, oh, yeah, hold up. Like, right? Yeah. Because we're not, we are, we are important. Yes, our lives mean something and therefore we have agency. And I think we feel powerless. That's mm-hmm. why we don't do anything. We're just like, okay, like, what can I even do? Like, I was talking to a friend the other day and he was just like, the ocean's burning. And I'm like, yeah so like we gotta keep going we're not even doing anything yet you know like we haven't actually even fucking done anything yet i know that there's a lot of like on the groundwork that's happening but like true revolution has not started yet and so like there's so much more work to be done and i feel like i came here for a purpose and that's why i think i'm so energized Yes, you know, and it makes me think it's also and and you reflect on this in the book, like that sort of like kind of passive dissociation, which in some ways we understand is like a valid trauma response and like a defense mechanism. Like we recognize that, but it is a sort of like passive dissociation. It is also so Western, you know, in my like organizing spaces, I constantly bring in the fights that are happening in the global south to sort of have that be a mirror and like you think you know and you talk about this in the book you think that striking farmers in india are not burnt out you don't think they're tired you don't you don't think that people in cuba living under 60 years of sanctions are not tired yeah right and the and you can answer you know how many other countries of the global south you want right and i think it is it's this sort of arrogance that i think we've inherited from whiteness Mm -hmm. It's it's a, it's a difference of like, yeah, it's it's so it is so unique to the West. Like yeah. I'm like, it's not a power thing, you know. It's not of who has more capacity, you know. I know everyone's talking about we don't have capacity for anything, but I'm like, then you look at the rest of the world, particularly the global South, and people they t- step into their agency. Yeah, they reject hyper individualism. Mm-hmm. And against all the odds, against harsher conditions, exactly, they make the impossible possible. Exactly. So I sort of bring that back for myself to ground myself. Like, okay, well, what do you need to do to deepen the well internally, so you can exactly, so you can, you know, so you can get yeah. bigger and and give more and do more and all these things. And you know, I feel like this book is a contribution towards that. Like, I think we need to. I completely agree. We need to tighten up. I'm like. If you if we are okay with recognizing that we're running out of time and that somehow doesn't fuel, doesn't enliven this responsibility you're talking about, this agency, the choice to contribute to, towards 
a more free world, then that's concerning. Yeah. That exactly. that's beyond just giving up. I think that's rejecting rejecting care not just for yourself but then for everyone else around exactly. you. Exactly. And that's why this that state of like whiteness. Whiteness is entitlement, right? It's it it's the belief in like um, domination, continuous mm-hmm. domination. So continuous mm-hmm. domination in that kind of relationship, there is no responsibility. You don't have a responsibility to be fair. Mm-hmm. You just are. You're dominating. But we're trying to shift that. We're trying to make sure that these things start to collapse so we do get to a place of reciprocity. And that's possible because we were once civilizations that lived like that. You know, like, reciprocity was an important facet of many different cultures. And so that is inherent to humanity. And I would argue that it was always the West. It was always countries that were white that were existing in a lot of violence. And, uh, like, you know, a lot of different issues that I, I think come from a lack of humility and a lack mm. of um, humanity. So there's like a lot of wounding here that we need to face. Mm. And um, I think that I talk about this in the degrowth chapter a lot. I also understand that the reality is, is that some people are really tired and don't have capacity. So it's also understanding that there are some that can do more and then others that can't. And like that's mm. making spaciousness for all of all different kinds of, you know, um, capacity. But I think the issue that we're at is nobody feels like they have to do anything. <laughs> so they're just like, okay, somebody else will do it. But that that has to shift. That mm-hmm. has we we I think also in our work, we're both doing this, and I think it's going to be a long road of continuing to sort of, I think remind people like hey there's something beautiful at stake here there's something very big at stake and when you Mm -hmm. when it becomes something deeper about humanity and connection and heart centeredness it's not just like you have to do this uncle sam point finger it's like no actually like look at this world Mm -hmm. that's i think the point of connection that people are missing and so I'm really hopeful as an abolitionist as well that we will eventually get there. But mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of tenderness and love and communication that needs to happen before that. And a reminder of like, we come from such immensely profound people and I wanna go back to that power. I wanna be at my full power as a human being. Yes. And I have so many powers, and I want other people to feel their powers as well. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm so overjoyed with this conversation because it's, it's just so many reminders. Like I'm having a, I'm having like the, the hive when I was reading your book of just like, oh yeah, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Oh yeah, you know, like just of deep affirmation. Mm. And I'm grateful for that. And I, you know, and I want to sort of ask and and end with there's so much despair around us, right? That knowing is, has undergirded so many points in our conversation. We know and we feel that there's so much despair within us, around us. You know, folks are tired. Folks um, are navigating the crisis of imagination right we're navigating harsh material condition like we know all of that to be true and i'm curious just like for you in this moment in this chapter what are the sort of seeds of hope that you're nurturing right now in the utopic envisioning that i have because i have been through hell and back in my own life i'm my own litmus test i'm my own example you know I survived everything that I had survived and I'm still here and my therapist was like telling me she's like and you're still hopeful like that's beautiful I'm like I think that I just came to this planet for that reason alone just to be like you can do it it's really possible and you can move with so much love and it is like so much more rewarding 
to move like that. It actually feeds you so much to show up for people because mm -hmm. you, you're giving the love that you know is possible. I'm giving the love that I know is possible. I, I'm getting to give the love back to the earth. I'm being able to sort of like feed my community and mm. that's, yeah, that's something that I think gives me a lot of hope. Um, yes. And I think folks like you, folks that are actually also alongside me that are, you know, like I know we are all suffering, but there's just so much beauty and goodness and there's so much worth fighting for. I will feel that my entire life. I felt, you know, mm. I feel like yeah, this life is worthwhile, and it's really hard, but it's so worthy of your attention and care and your, uh, your um, responsibility. <laughs> yes, it is so worthy. We are so worthy. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful reminder. Mm -hmm. We are so worthy. Aren't we worthy of the utopia that we, we want? Like, aren't we worthy of this life that we know is possible? Mm. Like, why not work towards that collectively? Yes, it's going to take a long time, but we can do it. I believe that we have the ability, especially, and this is very, like, Paulo Freire, pedagogy of the oppressed, but, you know, it's like, he says it so many times. Like, you have to, some, you have to remind the oppressor of their humanity as well as your own. Mm -hmm because they don't actually know. They've, yeah. they've, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, they've transgressed that point. To yeah. dehumanize you, they had to dehumanize themselves. Yeah. That's a reality one I don't think of often when it comes to white supremacy. So it's like, I don't know, there's a beautiful action in reminding us, I think, from that perspective of like, there is such um, divinity in, in regaining that power and being uh, loving and caring and giving people the thing that you may have never gotten yourself, but moving with that regardless. Mm. Yes, there's, oh, I'm just like, I'm so moved, you know, because you talk so much about forgiveness and that is in my own life, probably one of the hardest things, especially to forgive those that are close to you. Mm. Um, and it's also one of the most freeing things. Mm. And you talk so much about that, and and it's I'm like I'm just I'm just sitting with that. And to your point, it is absolutely true. Robin D. G. Kelly says it like Europe had to colonize itself before it could colonize the world. So I also wanted to say whoever needs to hear this or whoever we need to get in contact so this can be um, made possible. I was literally telling my friends and my partner, I was like, Fariha deserves like a fucking honorary PhD after this. This is a dissertation, babe. Like, I'm not even joking. I think it's like you have so many citations and, you know, I fucking love reading. You know, Gemini, you brought in yeah. so many people. I was like, wow, like this is not... This was not light work, you know? Mm. So whoever needs to be notified of that, I think it's, yeah, you really went above and beyond, and I just want to give you your flowers Thank in real you. time. I'm, I'm really just, I'm personally just humbled. Like, I'm so happy that this came out in our time this year. I'm happy I was able to read it. I'm happy that you dared and had that audacity to do it, honestly. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. Mm, thank you so much, love. Thank you for talking to me, and thank you for everything you do. You too. This was a beautiful conversation. Mm.